Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Good morning, friends. It's a little bit of a different voice here this morning. I'm Mike Pearson filling in while Mr. Adams is on the road. He is bound for Grand Island, Nebraska. He will be at Husker Harvest Days for the next three days in the Syngenta tent performing the show live. So if you're planning on getting down to Husker Harvest Days, be sure to get there and stop by and see Mike in the Syngenta booth. We've got a big show planned today. We're going to be talking first and foremost with Phil Brasher from AgriPulse. We're going to hear what all is happening there in Washington, D.C. Then we're going to talk weather. Gang, we are gearing up for harvest here across the Corn Belt, so all eyes are to the sky as we take a look to see what might be coming in the weeks to come. Later on in the program, we're going to talk about some potential changes that might be included in this budget reconciliation bill for how your bank or financial institution reports what's in your accounts to Uncle Sam. We're going to dig into that in a little more detail, so do be sure to stick around with us. And finally, we're going to wrap up the show breaking down last Friday, last Friday's rather supply and demand estimates from the USDA. Before we jump into talking with Phil, we do have some breaking news. As I mentioned, Mike is headed to Grand Island, Nebraska. Well, we've got news coming out of Grand Island this morning. The JBS plant in Grand Island, that city's largest employer, caught fire last night. Fire departments reported responded to the fire at about 9.45 last night. They have been battling it all night long. It's reported they have just changed shifts. That plant will be shut down today. We don't have any further indication as to what all is going on. I do know the fire department is there as we speak. They're trying to put out the fire, which has moved into the walls and the roof of the building. Oh, so friends in the cattle business, it's second verse, same as the first, another fire really starting to scramble our markets. We'll keep an eye on that. And if I get any other updates coming out of Grand Island, I will be sure to report them. But now let's talk about what is going on in Washington, D.C. Philip Brasher, the executive editor at AgriPulse, is joining us this morning. Phil, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Yeah, great to be here. <laughs> There's a lot going on here in D.C. There is there is so much going on right now in Washington, D.C. I'm going to let you take the stage. What do you think we need to know about first, Phil? What's the biggest impact well, event you're keeping an eye on? Well, I'll tell you what, your listeners, I think a lot of your listeners are going to be very happy to know. We just got the, about in the last hour or so, got the uh, proposed revenue provisions for this massive uh, reconciliation package the Democrats are putting together. And uh, what they're going to be uh, glad to know, I think uh, most of your listeners, there is no change, no change to step-up basis. Um, they, there is uh, no mention of the president's proposal to uh, start taxing capital gains at death. So uh, inherited the treatment tax policy on uh, uh, inherited assets uh, would not change. Um, now, you know, that's obviously Phil, that's, that agriculture that's big news. Yes, it is. That's that's certainly big news. And if I recall, the uh, the House and Senate Democrats were counting on that change to cover a lot, or at least a significant portion of the bill from this three point five trillion dollar reconciliation package. Um, did they mention the potential for transfer taxes in the uh, well, the, the wording you have gotten to take a look at? Right, right. That's the transfer tax. Uh, we call it by different things. So many people refer to it as step-to-step basis. But what it was, what the proposal was, it, it essentially sort of nullified the benefit of step-to-step basis on when you inherited assets. Uh, because what the president had proposed was to start when someone died, there would be uh, capital gains taxes in, in, imposed on, uh, on the assets that they left. Uh, on their estate, uh, in addition to the estate tax. So there'd be uh, essentially two forms of uh, uh, taxation on those assets that were left when somebody died. That proposal is not 
in, uh, is not in this bill. There was just fierce opposition from uh, farm groups and uh, many rural Democrats, quite frankly, including uh, uh, David Scott, the chairman of the House Agriculture Committee. So, Phil, now that we've gotten a handle on that big hurdle being out of the way, I, I do agree with you. I've heard from a lot of growers that this was something they were eyeing with concern. With that out, how do the the Democrats plan to make this bill pay for itself? Are there any new changes that surprised you as a watcher of what happens in D.C.? Uh, not really. And for the most part, they don't uh, directly affect Ag, uh, there's a, there's an increase in the corporate uh, tax rate to 26.5%. Uh, that was something that was uh, pretty widely expected, um, primarily because uh, Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, who holds the uh, swing vote uh, uh, in the Senate, had signaled that he could support an increase in the corporate tax rate. Uh, there's a 3% surtax on uh, very high-income individuals, uh, there's an increase in the uh, capital gains rate to uh, 25%, again, for uh, uh, high-income individuals. Uh, there is a, a tweak that's an interesting little tweak to uh, could potentially uh, help agriculture if the estate tax uh, exemption comes back, uh, is, is lowered at some point. Virginia is actually scheduled to lower in a few, year, in a few years. So um there is that but uh, for the most part uh, there's really very little in here that it's mostly aimed at uh, uh, corporate the tax uh, tax increases are mostly aimed at um, corporations and uh, as i say very high income individuals Gotcha. Now, looking out over the rest of the week, this new verbiage is going to be discussed by the House Ways and Means Committee tomorrow, is that correct? I uh, believe they have uh, uh, doubt that they will get through in uh, one week. They have also got a they have a number of provisions, including some uh, a biofuel uh, uh, tax incentives, a new tax incentive for renewable jet fuel. There's an extension of the uh, tax credit, uh, dollar gallon tax credit for biodiesel and renewable diesel. So Ways and Means is uh, Ways and Means Committee is going to be taking up taking that up along with a whole host of other measures. Um, and then we had news this morning on the uh, from the House Agriculture Committee. They uh, they advanced on a party line vote um, an incomplete version of uh, their provisions that will be folded in with all of these other things that we've been talking about into this three and a half trillion dollar uh, package that Democrats are uh, pulling together. So it's it's incomplete, but this gives us an indication as what they're looking for. Is that how you see it? Yeah, the, well, in terms of what the agriculture provisions, they what they uh, formally pr approved is about $66 billion worth out of a $94 billion package. The $66 billion uh, is about $40 billion for forestry, uh, preventing wild, uh, wildfires. Uh, there's about... Um, uh, nearly $8 billion for agricultural research for the aim to climate change, and then another $18 billion for rural development, including renewable energy. And, um, uh, All right. Things to keep an eye on going forward. Thank you so much, Phil Brasher, for talking to us this morning about what all is going on in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Great to be here. Thanks. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. These acres you've put your life into. Your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at adspipe.com. 
Heading to Husker Harvest Days in Grand Island, Nebraska this year? Be sure to stop by the Syngenta booth to talk with local agronomists and product experts. Then walk across the aisle and visit the Syngenta Square to relax and enjoy a cold beverage. Mike Adams of Adams on Agriculture will be broadcasting live all three days from Syngenta booth 1106. Stop by to watch the show live at 9 a.m. That's booth 1106 at 9 a.m. We look forward to seeing you in Grand Island at Husker Harvest Days. For more than 135 years, the editors of Progressive Farmer have provided generations of farmers and ranchers with the information they need and trust to make informed and profitable decisions. We know you need that content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we created our weekly podcast called Field Posts. Join me, Sarah Mock, each week as I interview agriculture's top thought leaders, as well as farming's most diverse team of editors at Progressive Farmer and DTN on a wide range of subject matter. From farm policy and crop production to finances, technology, and so much more, you'll have a front row seat to learn and engage in what's happening in agriculture today. You can find the podcast listed on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or by visiting our website at dtnpf.com backslash field posts. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back to AOA, folks. Mike Pearson here, keeping Mike Adams' seat warm for the day. Speaking of warm, folks, fall, fall is in the air, but of course, we still get bops of heat across the country. Let's see where they're going to happen. John Brannick from DTN Meteorology is joining us this morning. John, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Mike. Well, let's talk a little bit about what's going on. We've heard there a few times Mike Adams is going to be in Grand Island for Husker Harvest Days. Can you give us a forecast for Grand Island? What do you expect to see in central Nebraska this week? Yeah, we're going to have some up and down conditions across uh, Nebraska uh, out there. I'll be out there too starting tomorrow, so it'll be good to see Mike again. But uh, uh, we've got uh, some showers kind of moving through probably today um, and possibly tomorrow as well. doesn't look overly uh, wet, just kind of some sprinkles, some scattered thunderstorms possible out of that. Now, Thursday is going to be a hot day, though. It looks like temperatures are going to get up close to 90 degrees there through the afternoon. It's going to be nice and humid. You may get some thunderstorms popping up late uh, after the show's over, though. Gotcha. Well, things to keep an eye on. There's always something happening when we take a look at the weather, John. And right now, it seems like we've got some things cooking down in the Gulf. Can you give us an update on what's happening with a tropical storm, Nicholas? Yeah, so Nicholas there, um, really, you know, it, it kind of took a really interesting path. Um, usually this time of year we see systems kind of uh, move off the coast of Africa, move all the way across uh, the Caribbean, and either go into the Gulf of Mexico or go up uh, the East Coast. And um, this one was a little different. This one kind of formed off of a, a tropical wave uh, off of the coast of South America and moved northwest. So it's a little unusual path it took. 
went across the Yucatan Peninsula uh, late last week into Saturday and really started to get its act together yesterday. This, I think, is when they officially named it a tropical storm, straight from a, a disturbance of interest straight into a tropical storm. Uh, right now, it's just off the coast of Texas. It looks like it'll be moving into central Texas here either late this afternoon, but more likely this evening. Uh, it'll be moving uh, fairly slowly as it moves, uh, gets in through Texas, too. So we'll probably see some flooding rains uh, across the east, uh, eastern Texas there. Um, it'll move inland a little bit, but uh, it'll kind of parallel the coast as it moves uh, eastward into Louisiana on Tuesday and Wednesday. Flooding rains are going to continue along with that, though. Um, so portions of that southern delta region where they have a, a bunch of corn, or I'm sorry, cotton and soybeans that are maturing, could see some flooding rainfall, do some damage to that. And then the port of New Orleans are still kind of our, our big area of concern with this system. Uh, I, it's not going to be a wind-damaging threat. We shouldn't see power lines down. But the heavy rain, the thunderstorms that will be in the area uh, are probably going to keep crews grounded at least a little bit, kind of have a slow motion going through here through, through portions of this week. So getting those terminals back up for export is going to be a little bit more difficult due to that rain. It is. I'm glad to hear there's not a high wind threat coming along with this tropical storm, Nicholas. But by golly, those folks down there working to get those export terminals reopened, the last thing they need is uh, 7 to 12 inches of rain. Is is that the uh, the rainfall expectations you're still seeing there for that Gulf Coast area? Not right along the Gulf Coast, not for the terminals. I think we're more in line for 3 to 6, which is uh, you know still heavy, still flooding, but it could be much worse than that. Down in, in uh, towards Houston, I think you can kind of expect more of that 6 to 12-inch uh, amounts, so and that'll be pretty significant down, down there towards uh, Houston. But once it gets closer to New Orleans, it should be weakening quite a bit. All right. Well, that's some good news there for those folks who are only uh, 10, 15 days here removed from uh, Hurricane Ida that tore through that area. John, let's come back to the Midwest. You mentioned central Nebraska might see some showers, some thunderstorms, and some heat there on Thursday. Broaden us out a little bit. As you look at growers across the Corn Belt who are looking to get into their fields, I saw some silage getting chopped when I was in northwest Iowa this past week. What do you expect to see? Going to be a good week for getting some field work done? For the most part, I think the answer is yes. I mean, actually, we're act we're going to be pretty active here throughout the course of this week. Uh, we've got one system; it's already uh, producing a bunch of showers in the Dakotas. It'll be moving its way eastward across Minnesota and uh, Wisconsin uh, later today and tomorrow. And then that front of the system will be moving through the rest of the eastern Corn Belt and southern Corn Belt there Tuesday into Wednesday. Um, showers are going to be scattered, so for the most part, it, it looks like people are going to get maybe some light rain out of it. Uh, there's going to be some areas, especially probably around uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin, that'll see some heavier rainfall. But for the most part, it'll just be a, a brief shot of some, of some light showers moving through. Uh, so for the most part here, I think we're going to be pretty good uh, getting into the fields and getting the harvest. There's just going to be those few exceptions where it gets a little bit on the heavier side. After that goes through, um, we're not going to uh, – we're not going to uh, – Calm down at all. We got another system moving through at least the western corn belt here late this week, and then we'll be moving through the eastern corn belt this weekend. Uh, showers with this are more likely across northern areas, so the southern corn belt uh, should see conditions continuing to be fairly good, and the temperatures will be up as well with that, so that'll help for, for dry down and everything. And uh, as we go in, into the weekend and next week, we'll see at least one or maybe two storms moving through. So uh, showers are going to be around, but for the most part, they're going to be light except for just a few spots that, that end up getting some more moderate rainfall. And again, that looks more likely over the northern portions of the Corn Belt rather than the south. All right. Northern might see a little more activity. John, look a little longer term, if you would. We've been in this El Nino weather pattern, no doubt, that has contributed to the lack of rainfall there in the northern plains across the Dakotas and Montana and Wyoming and western Minnesota and so on. Looking out through the rest of September, do you expect to see us transition into a La Nina? And if so, what's that going to mean for those of us here on the ground? Yeah, so actually we haven't been in, a, in an El Nino. We've been kind of hovering around what is a, a neutral state, so neither El Nino or La Nina throughout the course of the summer. Uh, we've been kind of dipping closer and closer into that La Nina category over the last, uh, say, month or so. Um, it looks like we're right on the verge of that happening again. Um, the 
you can measure that in two different ways, one with the atmospheric pressure in the Central Pacific and the other with, uh, with sea surface temperatures. Now, the, the air pressure has kind of gone that way. We're into a La Nina category that way, but not in terms of the sea surface temperatures quite yet. We're below normal, which is typical for La Nina, but not quite at that threshold. It looks like we'll probably do that here in the next uh, few weeks. Um, by October, we're likely to be in a La Nina pattern. And really what that means for the fall is not a whole lot. Typically, that means we're drier than normal across uh, the interior U.S. Uh, in, during the fall months, but not overly so. Um, there's some variability that goes on with that. But typically, we are above normal in temperatures, and that's what we are kind of focused on here for the rest of the fall season. So probably some variable precipitation. Uh, we're seeing that definitely this month. Uh, we'll probably see that to some degree in October, but for the most part, I think we'll be on the drier side of normal, drier side of normal in October, and definitely above normal. So uh, conditions still, you know, even with the variable precipitation, have a, a long time for us to to really find a good spot there to to dry out our fields, dry out our our crops, and and get out in the field and uh, and harvest. I don't see really many issues with that. I think the real big issues here are with those folks that are out there for winter wheat planting. Um, if we really turn on kind of the drier side of normal here and with the increased temperatures, we could be talking about some really reduced soil moisture uh, for winter wheat establishment. Maybe not so much for those areas here in the eastern Corn Belt and the Midwest or, or the, that Delta region across along the Mississippi, but especially the central and southern plains, I think, has the biggest area is the biggest area to see the, the potential impacts. We're already a little bit below normal in a lot of these areas for, for precipitation, soil moisture, that sort of thing. So keeping the heat on and, and drying things out would not be a good combination for those folks. No, it certainly wouldn't. That has been a struggle. You know, we do see this time of year as hurricane season gets underway, those tropical storms that seem to sneak up the Mississippi Valley and can inundate at least the eastern Corn Belt. I know it's kind of early and I know it's variable down there in the Gulf right now, but is that a threat that's going to persist throughout this hurricane season? It's definitely possible. Uh, our longer range forecasts are kind of pointing towards uh, more of a trough kind of pattern over the east coast, and that has a tendency to kind of deflect those storm systems um, off the east coast and, and not making their way into the Gulf of Mexico. Now, we've seen a couple of those little weak systems. We saw one last week with Tropical Storm Mindy that went through the southeast, and, uh, you know, we're seeing Tropical Storm Nicholas now kind of evade the, that potential trough across the, the U.S., so we're still going to have to watch out for that. And with La Nina conditions, we do have increased tropical threats continuing. So uh, we may still see some of those just kind of escape the overall pattern. So it will be a risk going forward, yes. All right. There's always something to keep an eye on when we're talking weather. When we come back, we'll talk some other things that might be included in that budget reconciliation package. So don't go away. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Heading to Husker Harvest Days in Grand Island, Nebraska this year? Be sure to stop by the Syngenta booth to talk with local agronomists and product experts. Then walk across the aisle and visit the Syngenta Square to relax and enjoy a cold beverage. Mike Adams of Adams on Agriculture will be broadcasting live all three days from Syngenta booth 1106. Stop by to watch the show live at 9 a.m. That's booth 1106 at 9 a.m. We look forward to seeing you in Grand Island at Husker Harvest Days. On-road or off-road, you'll find the FS lubricant you need from our full line of premium quality products. At FS, our lubricants use the highest quality base oils and latest additive technology to meet and exceed most manufacturer's specifications. Advanced protection against wear ensures you'll get maximum value from both your lubricant and equipment investments. Squeeze every bit of performance out of every piece of equipment you own. Let the FS energy specialists help you go further. Go further with FS. Visit GoFurtherWithFS.com for more information. 
You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rall. On Friday, the USDA forecasts larger production estimates and ending stocks, but the negative news was unable to push prices higher. Buyers have been waiting on the sidelines, afraid the USDA may release a shocker, but there was nothing shocking about the USDA reports, and buyers helped crop markets post reversals on the charts, changing the technical picture. On the Board of Trade this morning, December corn trading eight and a half cent lower at 509. The March contract down eight and a fraction at 518 and a fraction of a cent. For soybeans, the November contract down three and a half cent at 1282 and a half cent. The January contract trading four cents lower at 1290 and three quarters. For wheat, Chicago wheat December down five and a fraction at 683 and a fraction. Kansas City wheat December down a penny and a fraction at 681 and a fraction. Minneapolis spring wheat December down six and a half cent at 872 and a fraction. The March contract down six and a fraction at 862 and a half cent. In cash cattle country, the bulk of trade took place on Wednesday and Thursday again last week with just a little cleanup on Friday. Northern business had a full range of 197 to $203, mostly 200 to $203, a dollar higher to $2 lower than last week's weighted average basis in Nebraska. Note that a majority of Nebraska's dress trade early in the week was set for delivery the week of September 20th, while late week deals were set for delivery September 27th or earlier in the week of October 4th. Looking at live cattle futures on the Board of Trade, the October contract 80 cents lower at 122.62. The December contract a dollar lower at 127.22. For feeder cattle, September a dollar 22 lower at 153.02. October a dollar 42 lower at 156.30. In lean hogs, the October contract down 85 at 81.60. December down a dollar 42 at 74.67. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rawl. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. Eleven million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back, folks, to AOA. Mike Pearson here sitting in for Mike Adams as he travels to Grand Island. We have been talking a lot in this country about this massive budget reconciliation package that is this week. We heard from Phil earlier in the show. House Ways and Means Committee will be discussing the revenue portion of what that bill might entail. But there's a lot wrapped up in it. In fact, there is a potential rule coming in this package that would require banks, credit unions, anybody basically who acts as a financial institution to report inflows of accounts to the IRS if those accounts hold more than $600. I've been seeing a lot of press releases from banking groups, credit union groups, trying to raise awareness of what this package is. And I figured, well, hey, those of us out here in the countryside certainly do a lot of work with rural lenders of all stripes. And this certainly seems like something we should know about. So joining us on the show today is Paul Mursky. Paul is from the Independent Community Bankers of America. He's an executive vice president and handles their congressional relations. And I figure he's probably the guy who can give us the details. Paul, thanks for joining us this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. 
Well, if you would, I gave just a very high-level introduction of the issue there, but I'm certainly no expert on government policy. Would you fill us in on exactly what the Treasury Department is looking for with this new piece of regulation? Sure. As part of the massive budget packages that Congress um, is trying to pass, um, they want to um, have all banks, all financial institutions report to the IRS the inflows and outflows of all your bank transactions to the IRS. And we feel that this is a massive invasion of customer privacy. has nothing to do with your tax liability. Um, the IRS just wants to collect um, all this information. So anything um, going in and out of your checking account, your savings account, your loans, uh, any transfers of, of money from one account to another, uh, that would all be aggregated and sent into the IRS. And we're appalled by this provision, and few people know about it uh, outside of Washington. So we're sounding the alarms and making sure that consumers are aware that government will be demanding financial institutions to report all this information to the IRS. Paul, that is a huge volume of data. How would this work in practice? I'm sure they've proposed a method by which they'd be doing this, but if I go to the bank and pull $200 out at an ATM, are they going to send a text to the IRS and say, hey, Mike's taking out $200 cash, or, or what's it going to look like? Well, right now, banks are required to report any transactions of $10,000 or more. So banks file what's known as currency transaction reports. So uh, anything of 10000 and more is already sent to the IRS. They also send in suspicious activity reports on, on virtually any amount uh, that may be deemed suspicious. So uh, banks um, are already reporting massive amounts of information, but we thought this you know, $600 threshold and reporting on every account, um, checking accounts, savings accounts, is just a bridge too far, and really the, the IRS would not be able to properly use that data because of the massive amount of data they'd be collecting. They'd, they'd never be able to sort through all that and really find the, where, where the tax evasion might be happening. So it's really overkill. Um, we're, we're asking people to call into their members of Congress and express their outrage on this invasion of privacy I mean, people have a, a, a right to privacy in their financial transactions. This has nothing to do whether you owe taxes or don't owe taxes. It's the government, uh, big government in Washington, snooping on everyone's financial transactions, and we're, we're going to stop it. And I would imagine if this were to come through in the reconciliation package and pass through that vote, it sounds like it's going to be a party line vote when this thing finally gets done. What would this mean for banks on the ground? I think of, I've got to imagine this is going to require more work for the banks, which might mean additional staffers. It might mean additional cost. What's going to be the other than the potential invasion of privacy? What other aspects might happen if this were to come to pass? Well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a very costly burden on financial institutions and the customers. The customers will be getting copies of all this information for tax purposes, and it'll just add to the complexity and confusion of filing your tax return if, if you're getting duplicate information that was sent to the IRS. So it's, it's just a horrible proposal all around, and really we wouldn't need to be doing these kind of aggressive uh, tax measures if you know Congress trimmed back the spending you we we just passed in the Senate a 1.2 trillion dollar infrastructure plan now they're planning to add three and a half trillion dollars on top of that and this is on top of the uh, six COVID uh, emergency packages that were 5.8 trillion so Trillions of dollars are just flying here in Washington, spending um, and the debt ceiling. The Treasury Secretary just uh, asked to raise the debt ceiling because the uh, federal government will be out of money by October, um, yet they're proposing these massive tax and spend plans and really in a, in a uh, way that's invading people's privacy. And this is 
I should mention this is not only individuals, this is all small businesses, farmers, any type of financial transactions will be reported to the IRS. It's, it's really uh, something that's of, of concern and consumers, uh, individuals, uh, farmers should all weigh in with their members of Congress to stop this. Before, once it's in, enacted, you'll never be able to you know, turn this around. Right, right. Uh, There's nothing more permanent than a government program, as Ronald Reagan once said. Paul, you have been talking to consumers about this. I know ICBA has run a poll. Could you give us some information? What have you learned uh, since this has, uh, well, was proposed back in May? Right. Well, not shockingly, 67% of people that were polled, Democrats, Republicans, uh, oppose, strongly oppose, this type of proposal because of the invasion of privacy. And another thing is that um, the IRS really can't be trusted with all this data as as well. The IRS has had data breaches. They've had leaks. uh, They've used tax information for political reasons. Um, Information has been stolen from the IRS. So uh, people's privacy um, is under attack. And um, of course, the polling is going to show uh, tremendous opposition to this. That's why the Congress is trying to sneak this through with a reconciliation process that only requires 50 votes. This is something you'd never be able to get 60 votes for in Congress. Uh, it'd be so wildly unpopular. So uh, that's why we're sounding the alarms. People should uh, call and weigh in as much as possible before you know they're they have to turn over all their financial information to the IRS. Paul, what do you see as a timeline for this being written in stone into the reconciliation bill? And then do you have a guess on when they're going to actually get to vote on that reconciliation bill? Right. Well, as we speak, they're uh, pressing forward with all the tax raising provisions. So this could be voted on at least in the House um, any day this week. And then, of course, it has to go to the Senate Um, But they are trying to pass this very quickly before people see exactly what's in these large $3.5 trillion packages, particularly the onerous tax-raising provisions. And this isn't the only uh, tax provision in there. As we know, there's uh, tax increases on estates. There's increase in capital gains taxes, increase in income taxes, increase in business taxes. Um, You need a lot of money to pay for these three and a half trillion dollar spending bills. Yeah, that's true. Three and a half trillion is a lot of dollar bills. Paul, as folks, if if folks are concerned about this, if they don't want Uncle Sam snooping on every transaction that you do in your account, if you have more than $600 in it, what's the best way to tackle it? Is it call your representatives in the House first and then message your senators? What's the, the best way to to uh, raise awareness of this? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely call your member of Congress and connect with your two senators and say you're opposed to this new IRS reporting. Um, An easy way to do that is ICBA has a website, icba.org, and you can go on there and find more details about this provision and uh, easy way to connect with your member of Congress. So I would recommend folks go to icba.org and uh, weigh in with their member of Congress. We have advocacy tools so um, your voice can be heard in Washington, D.C., because few people know about this provision, but we, we wanted to make sure that folks are aware of this before you know, they start getting statements in, in the mail from their bank that their information is being sent to the IRS, and they'll be shocked to learn that. Yeah, that would be shocking to a lot of folks and listeners. ICBA isn't the only financial uh, group out there trying to raise awareness. My understanding is almost every group who represents financial institutions is opposed to this. But like Paul said, they are slipping it into that reconciliation bill. So get on hand, call your representative if this is something that bothers you. Paul Mursky, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us and to fill us in on what's happening there in Washington, D.C. All right, folks, we'll be back with more Adams on Agriculture when we return after this.
Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. 54. So, basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... <laughs> hey, listen. It's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system, from global market access to local expertise. We'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning, while the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. Heading to Husker Harvest Days in Grand Island, Nebraska this year? Be sure to stop by the Syngenta booth to talk with local agronomists and product experts. Then walk across the aisle and visit the Syngenta Square to relax and enjoy a cold beverage. Mike Adams of Adams on Agriculture will be broadcasting live all three days from Syngenta booth 1106. Stop by to watch the show live at 9 a.m. That's booth 1106 at 9 a.m. We look forward to seeing you in Grand Island at Husker Harvest Days. Every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day -day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crop, cattle, equipment, technology, and more. They are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langmeyer with the latest numbers from the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. Been a while since we've been able to say this, but we actually saw the numbers improve slightly this month. The index has been relatively flat uh, the last three months. We were at 138 in August. That compares to 134 in July and 137 in June, so relatively flat. When you look at the two sub-indices, however, there was some improvement in the index of, of current conditions, and I think that can be explained in, in a couple different ways. First of all, crop prices have held fairly steady in terms of the prospects for this fall. 
But as we get closer to harvest, if, if it looks like there's going to be a fairly good harvest, people get a little bit more optimistic. And so we may see some, you know, depending on, on, uh, on, on the yield projections, we may see some improvement as we move into the fall uh, based on, based on the potential crop yields. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back, folks. AOA marches on. I'm Mike Pearson sitting in the big seat here for Mike Adams. It's time to talk markets. We've got movement in the markets today, spurred in no small part by Friday's release of the supply and demand estimates coming out of USDA. We're going to dive into those in a little greater detail. Joining us now is good friend Naomi Bloom from Total Farm Marketing. Naomi, so good to talk to you today. Hey, it's so good to talk to you, too. Thanks for having me on, Mike. You bet, Naomi. I want to talk WASDE. We've got to dive into those numbers. But before we do, we've got a report of this fire at the uh, JBS plant in Grand Island. In the past, when we've seen reports of these fires at beefpacking plants, we've seen the cattle market absolutely fall apart. We're not seeing that today. What's the trade's read on what's going on down there in Nebraska? Yeah, great, great story um, that has... um affected the markets from the standpoint of you hit the nail on the head. The fire prices opened substantially lower. We were trading almost $2 down at right at the start of trade today, but right now cattle only down about 30 points. I think two things are happening here. A fire happening is now a known for the industry from the standpoint of we've been through these before. So we kind of know what to expect. The market kind of knows how to deal with it. It's not, of course, friendly by any means, but I think because the cattle market had sold off so much over the past two weeks that the news in a way um, for some people was maybe a buying opportunity because they were looking for value on an oversold market. The thing with cattle that people need to really remember is how strong the demand is domestically and abroad. And I know that the people in the marketplace are like, oh, Labor Day demand is done and summer demand is done. But if you watched college football and NFL football this weekend, people are out and tailgating is on. So the demand for beef, I think, is going to stay strong. And exports so strong right now. Cumulative export sales for 2021 are at 833,000 tons, up from 690,000 tons a year ago. This is the highest on record. And China has been buying U.S. beef like crazy. In um, 2020, sales were at like 24,000 tons. So they're even much stronger this year. Uh, So I think that it's a demand market. The fire not a great thing by any means because it just means that some of that cattle is going to be backed up in that part of the of the state but um, market is definitely buying the break for sure this morning they are and naomi you mentioned the demand oh my goodness i had a chance to go into a grocery store buy some beef at the meat case and whoo i almost had to promise my firstborn to get my hands on a few ribeyes it is pricey <laughs> on the retail side and i think that speaks to the demand level don't you Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and I remember, um, you know, speaking with you years ago, and I used to think that, you know, well, there's going to be a point where beef gets to be so high priced and the consumer will balk at it. And it has not been the case throughout history. There is no substitute for steak. There is no substitute for beef. And so so far the consumer is able to just keep that demand there. and, And I think we'll continue to see that throughout this fall. I, I really do. I think the demand is going to stay strong. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on those live cattle prices. So keep it tuned here to your favorite station that's reporting those numbers. Now, let's dive into the supply and demand estimates. Naomi, this was released Friday at 11. We did see on the corn side, we increased the expected yield. We're up 1.7 bushels per acre to 176.3 BPA. Naomi, that raised, of course, production. We also saw uh, acres climb up. Give us your breakdown with production at 15 billion bushels. Do you think the USDA is on the right track? I think that the yield number is going to continue to change, and I think it'll ultimately get revised lower. Um, I think that the number that they have right now is just a little bit too high. 
here's what I'm not hearing this year. Usually this time of year I'll be on the phone with clients, they're starting harvest, and I hear a whole lot of, well, it's better than I thought, and I have not heard that mm. once, not even once. So there's so much mixed variability out there as far as yields, and even a, a client in eastern Iowa near Davenport, garden spot all summer long. He started chopping his silage. Um, he was anticipating 230. His appraisal came out and it was 200. And the appraiser said that that was the best that he had seen. And that was Eastern Iowa garden spot. So I think there's going to be a lot of discrepancy about the yield going forward. Ultimately, I still think ending stocks, old crop and new crop need to come down a little bit. Pretty much the USDA, um, you know, they're, they're tweaking numbers, they're massaging numbers. But the biggest thing is that the market on Friday's close said, whatever. We don't believe it with that higher close. Dug in its heels, did a bullish reversal, corn and beans both. Technically, that's a bottoming signal. Seasonally, this is the time of year where that is also a time for the market to find the low. I do think the harvest low is here. I think that $5 corn is going to stick. I think $13 beans want to stick for the January for the March contract. And now we're going to be keeping an eye on demand. We just need that golf um, export facilities to get up and running. I heard that three are running or very close to running this week, so we still have to get the rest of them online. But the demand is there. You know, Unknown came in and bought more beans this morning. So there is, there is that demand, and I think that the harvest low is in. All right. And you mentioned that soybean demand is unreal coming from unknown and, of course, also China and other places in Southeast Asia. U.S. ending stocks, USDA reported at $155 million. That's been unchanged for several months. Naomi, what's your take? Do you think we're going to run out of beans? Oh, good question. I, I would say <laughs> that um, for old crop beans, uh, I don't know a lot of producers that have anything yet remaining for old crop so the question is, what is the old crop scenario really? We have the quarterly stocks report coming up on September 30th. That'll shed some new light on the things. Um, as far as the new crop beans go and the ending stocks, again, it comes down to where is this yield going to end up? We're hearing mixed things. Some people got the timely August rains, and it really helped their bean crop immensely. And then here in Wisconsin, yeah, we got that rain, but now we got white mold as a result. And so the beans are shutting down and they don't look fantastic. So there's a lot of uncertainty yet in the marketplace. And the thing with this USDA, you know, they pegged global ending stocks higher, but we still have a lot of South American production to get through and La Nina is looking like it's going to be here to affect them. That is the case. So Naomi said $5 corn looks like it's going to stick. $13 beans might stay on the radar. Naomi, we certainly hope that's the case. Thank you so much for joining us here on Adams on Agriculture. Listeners, thanks so much for tuning in this week. We'll be back tomorrow. Mike Adams will be back in the seat in the Syngenta booth at Husker Harvest Days. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Heading to Husker Harvest Days in Grand Island, Nebraska this year? Be sure to stop by the Syngenta booth to talk with local agronomists and product experts. Then walk across the aisle and visit the Syngenta Square to relax and enjoy a cold beverage. Mike Adams of Adams on Agriculture will be broadcasting live all three days from Syngenta booth 1106. Stop by to watch the show live at 9 a.m. That's booth 1106 at 9 a.m. We look forward to seeing you in Grand Island at Husker Harvest Days.